You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Today, today is, uh, I think, an important day in the life of our church, and uh, I'm excited about the coming days. Uh, we start a brand new series next week that I'm really, really excited about, and I want everybody uh, to be a part of. Uh, this is a series that we're entitling, We Can't Stay Here. So for the next several weeks as a church, we're going to be talking about ways that God has blessed our church, and, and he has grown our church, and he's done some wonderful, awesome things, but, but we can't be complacent with what we have experienced. We can't become apathetic towards the, 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 the vision that God has, has given to us, and so we can't, we can't stay where we're at. God's calling us to move forward, and so over the next several weeks, I'm going to be talking about that vision. I'm going to be uh, talking about what it looks like over the next three months to, uh, to move from this room and, and, and worship from this room room that we've done for so many years to moving into the new auditorium. And, and so uh, that's going to be a great change, but it's going to require all of us to be in alignment to this vision. And, and then uh, we will culminate the series with the vision offering uh, that will happen December 17th. So don't miss this series. It's going to be incredible. But today uh, we finish our three-week series on prayer called Sync. And so our heart behind this series is that we would, in fact, get our life in sync with the Lord Jesus. And we do that in prayer and through prayer. And so we, we've said this every week, but we, we've said that, look, prayer is not how we get things, get more things from Jesus. Prayer is how we get more of Jesus. And so we, we need more of Jesus in our life. We need more of Jesus in our church. We need more of Jesus in our families, and our parenting, in our relationships. And so the way that we get more of him is in this growing relationship with him. And we, we, we grow that through prayer. And so we've been going through a 21 days of prayer together as a church. I hope you've been partnering with me as we pray for uh, in, in one accord together as a church over several issues over the last uh, couple of weeks. There's one more week, so I think six more days uh, this week. And if you haven't uh, grasped that yet, you can get on uh, the App Store and download the FC app, and you can follow it there. It's also online as well on the homepage. You can find it. But uh, I think it is a powerful thing for us as a church to pray in one accord together over these issues. I totally believe that God is going to answer this uh, and, and, and use this. Last week, we gave out a a bookmark, if you didn't get one, if you weren't here, they're, they're in the lobby today. It uh, helps us with our, our guide to pray. We talked about how do we pray, and so we looked at that. And week one, I challenged you to memorize Psalm 51. Uh, and those two verses, the cards are in the lobby as well. If you didn't get one of those, I uh, really encourage you to make that commitment. Commit that to memory. Man, God will bless your life uh, through that verse as a result. And today, I want to I close by talking about when we pray and and uh, we all come into this room with, with various burdens. Every single one of us have a, a burden that I'm sure that you're carrying. And maybe it's a, you know, it's a work-related burden. And so it's just heavy upon you today. And, and, and maybe it's a health issue and it's a burden or something that's happened in your past. And, and so it, it's just a, a burden. And, and all of us get to this point in our life where uh, this burden can become so heavy and, and, and so just, you know, overwhelming in our life that, that we, we, just, we just don't know if we can make it anymore. We just don't know how we're going to respond. We, we get to the point of discouragement. We get to the point of, of, of emotional pain. And, and we start to ask the question, can I really carry this any longer? Like, how long am I going to be able to do this? And, and am I 
going to be able to do this. And we all respond in one of three ways when those burdens become, you know, so, you know, just influential in our life and so heavy in our life. And, and the first way is, is, is maybe you fight. And so you, you've heard fight or flight, right? So there's the, there's the fighter in the room. The burden is so heavy. The burden is strong, but, but you're a fighter. So you're going to suck it up. You know, you're going to gut it out. You're going to grind it out. You know, this is life, and man, I just got to do it, and so we're just going to push through, and so your, your, your response is to fight. Some of you, your, your response is fright. So the burden becomes so heavy and, 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 and so heavy in your life that, you know, it's, it, it scares you, and you're, you're fearful of, of the burden. You're fearful of what's happening in your life. You know, you get to that point where, man, I really don't know if our marriage is going to make it. I really don't know if I'm going to be able to work here anymore. And, and as a result, you know, you get fearful. What am I going to do? And, and so that could be your response. There's another way. Another response might be flight. And so you experience, you know, the burden. You're experiencing this pressure. And your response is, I'm done. I'm out. I can't handle it anymore. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm over the relationship, let's end it, let's get a divorce, let's move on. Um, I'm not gonna go to church anymore, I'm gonna end it. And, and so your response is, is simply to, to uh, just run away from it. Well, you know, there's actually a fourth response and it's the response that I wanna talk about today. And, and that response to the burdens that you carry today is the way of faith. And the way of faith teaches us how to carry those burdens in our life well. And so there's a guy in the Bible, his name is James, and if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of James, chapter 5. And uh, James is a guy who knows what it feels like to carry a heavy burden. He is the little brother of Jesus, and so uh, he's, he's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, the first church, you know, that was established, he's the pastor of, and, and he was experiencing a, a heavy burden in his life, and and it re- was a result of uh, a, a just poverty. I mean, they were extremely poor. Um, they were experiencing extreme persecution. This whole new way of faith and, you know, Jews were leaving and converting to Christianity. And, and the religious Jewish leaders, you know, who killed Jesus are persecuting this, this early church in Jerusalem. And, and here James is. He's, he's the leader of the pack. And so he's carrying this heavy burden of poverty and are we going to be able to eat and take care of our needs and not to mention the, the persecution that's taking place. And this was heavy persecution. They wanted to kill James and they were plotting to kill him and eventually they actually do. And he's thrown off a building and then beat to death. And so this guy knows what it feels like to, to have a burden. And so the whole book of James is just an incredibly practical and helpful book if you've never read it. Go home and read it today, and God will bless you. But, but I say all this to help you know that James is in the, in the frame of mind of, of, of what it looks like to carry a heavy burden. And as the little brother of Jesus, he remembers seeing his older brother go through a lot of adversity and pain and suffering. And he saw what it looked like to carry that burden with dignity and, and faith and how to carry that well. And so... He remembers when Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You remember that? 
So here James is carrying this heavy burden, and I can just imagine him being reminded of, of, of Jesus saying these words, hey, you've got a heavy burden, bring it to me. Let's yoke together. And so the idea of this yoke, that was a harness, most likely a wooden harness that, that they would put the heads of two large oxen together or mules or horses or whatever. And, and so together they would be able to pull this heavy load behind them. And, and so Jesus in this you know, visual picture here, uh, to this farming community that would have been using, you know, a harness like this often. He, he said, look, come to me with those burdens. Come to me with that anxiety, and we'll yoke together. And so his promise is, I'm not going to just take all the burdens away from you, because he said elsewhere in this world, you're going to face many problems. So he's like, we're going to have burdens. We're all going to have burdens, and we're all going to have issues today. And you're, you're always going to experience those. But, but Jesus says, bring them to me, and we'll yoke together. I'm not going to take them from you, but I'm going to, 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 to walk with you. And I'm going to show you how to, how to walk well through this. And I'm going to help you carry them, because we're yoked together. And so when we look to the book of James here, we, we realize how to actually do that. And, and he teaches us how to do this specifically in, in James 5, verse 13, as he begins to talk about what it looks like to pray and, and when we should pray and, and how we flesh that out. And, and I'll just remind you that you can't control what's going on around you, but you can control what's going on within you. And so I, I think we can do that by having a healthy prayer life. And so let's look at James beginning in verse 13. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone, depending on what translation you have, is anyone burdened? Is anyone facing trials? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful or happy or blessed? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, leave your Bibles open. We're going to read the next passage as well, but let's look at the first few verses that we've seen here. He starts by saying, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you carrying a heavy burden, going through a trial right now? And I imagine that in this room that most of us would all agree and say on some level, I've got some kind of burden, I've got some kind of issue, some kind of problem that I'm wrestling with today. And so what does he tell us to do? Well, if you're taking notes, the first thing is when we're burdened, when we're suffering, pray for God's help. And this is what he calls us to do. And I don't think this word suffering or this word burdened or, or uh, 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 you know, trial is any specific trial, I think it could relate to any trial or any burden that you're carrying today. So whether it's a relationship issue, a work-related issue, you know, whether, whether it's your kids and, 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 and how you're going to parent them well through this season of their life, whatever issue, he says, when you are burdened, when you are facing this financial difficulty, bring that burden to God. And so it's an invitation to take your burden to the Lord. Now, in John 15, 15, Jesus says this, and this is important on this issue. He says, I don't call you servants anymore because servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. And so he's saying the reason you can bring your trouble to me, 
The reason you can bring that burden to me is because we are friends. I treat you as a friend, not as a servant, not as a slave. We are friends. And see, we have a hard time believing that we're friends with Jesus. We have a hard time believing that we can take our burden to Jesus. We, we have a hard time believing that, that making our car payment this month is a concern to Jesus. We have a hard time believing that, that Jesus really cares about what I'm anxious about today. But the scripture says that no matter what burden or what trial we're facing, we bring that to God in prayer. And we do that because he's our friend. When you begin to understand how much God loves you, when you begin to understand how much he is and wants to be in a deeper friendship with you, you realize prayer isn't a burden. Prayer is, in fact, a way for me to release my burdens. And so some of us look at prayer as a duty or a, you know, this religious, you know, burden that we have to do to God. Well, I got to pray today. You know, I haven't prayed in a while. Last two weeks at church, Trent's making me feel guilty because I'm not a prayer warrior, you know. And so I got to pray. Well, prayer isn't a burden. Prayer is the way in which we release those burdens to God. Now think about your closest friends, your very best friend. Now when there is a, when there's an issue in your marriage, there's an issue financially, there's an issue at work, and, and you have determined that you're going to talk to somebody about this. You've already made up in your mind, man, I have got to talk to somebody about this, right? Who do you go to? Well, you don't think of your best friend and go, I don't want to take this to him or her. I, I don't want to talk about this. No, no, you don't, you don't say that because this is your best friend. And so when, when you decide that you're going to say something and talk about this, we go to them because, listen, we love to talk to those who love us the most. We love to talk about our concerns and our burdens to those who love us the most. And, and so this is the news, guys. Jesus loves you more than anyone could possibly love you. And he cares about every situation that you're facing today. So if you find prayer to be a burden or a routine that you don't look forward to, it means that you just don't understand how much God loves you. You don't quite grasp what and, and, and who this God really is. And you don't realize yet that he is more interested in you and he cares about everything that you are facing today. So when we are hurting, when there is a trial, when there is a burden, he says, come to me in prayer. Now, that makes sense. We're all, we all get that. Second thing that he says here is he says, is anyone cheerful? Is anyone happy? Is anyone blessed? And so he says, if you are blessed, if you are happy here, he says, let him sing praise. So if you're taking notes, secondly, when we're blessed, pray a song of thanksgiving, now, we're getting ready to go into the Thanksgiving, you know, kind of season. Uh, hard to believe that it's already November, but here we are. And, and I want you to hear this clearly today, that, that if you are happy, if you are blessed, if you feel content today, then we are called to pray a song of praise, to pray a song of thanksgiving. Now, that may sound weird to you, but, but singing is really praying, Right? Because we are, when we sing a song, we just sang a few songs today. When we are singing, you're not singing to James and the band up here. You know, when you sing, what, what, what your mind and what your heart and focus hopefully is, is on is, is the Lord. And so we sing a song of praise to him. And so when we're happy, when we're blessed, then, then it allows us and we're called to, okay, recognize that God is the giver of all good gifts. And so we're gonna respond to him by praying to him through song. Now, 
In the Bible, in the early church especially, we see that singing was a big part of of what it looked like to gather corporately and worship as a church. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 5, 19, he says, speak to one another with psalms, with hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And so that's why every week, you know, we gather and, and we're gonna sing a few songs together and, and we try to do songs that, that we really connect with and, and we try to do songs that, you know, we can teach you. And so it's not like we do a new song every week. We, we try to do some, some older songs perhaps that you knew and, uh, when you were younger and we bring those and kind of do them a little bit differently and then we do new songs. And, and as we do these songs and you learn these songs, this becomes your prayer to God. This becomes a prayer of thanksgiving. When we're singing in Christ alone, if you're in a relationship with Jesus and you sing that song, I mean, chills run up my back. I've sung it a million times. There is power as we sing, as we connect. Now, you may not be a good singer, and I would put myself in that category. And that's why the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It doesn't have to be, you know, as good as James. It doesn't have to be as good as some of our singers. But, but that noise goes to God as a prayer of thanksgiving, as a prayer of praise to him. And so sometimes I look around and I see people not singing. And I'm like, man, they must not have that heart connection with, with God yet. Or maybe they're intimidated or maybe they're a little nervous or maybe they don't know the song. And so there's lots of reasons, but... But I would say, man, make, make every effort to follow the, the, the example of Scripture. And as God has blessed you, sing out to him. Now, you can sing in your car. You can sing in the shower. And these are great places. But when you think about singing, church is really the only place in the world where people gather and sing. Right? I mean, maybe at school, if you have, you know, chorus or whatever, you know, maybe at the seventh inning stretch at a baseball game, you all sing, you know, take me out to the ball game. Uh, you sing Rocky Top, you know, when you go to the, to the uh, football game. And, and, but that's a short thing. Like, culturally, church is where we come and, and, and where we sing. And, and so I want us to see that it's, this is a, a powerful part and powerful response to God. This is a prayer. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Last week in the prayer model, the guide of, of kind of how, how to pray, we use the word acts as an acronym, adoration, confession, and then T is thanksgiving. And, and thanksgiving is part of our prayer. It's part of our song. It's part of our worship to God. And so when you start to realize the grace of Jesus and that it was not anything that you did, was not any act that you did that caused you know, you to receive salvation. It wasn't you going to Jesus and tapping him on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm interested in learning more about the cross. It didn't happen that way. No, Jesus and the Spirit of God comes to you and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, this is what salvation looks like. And, and that is the grace and power and love of God. And when, when you grow in the depth of understanding that grace, it will cause you to respond in song. It will cause you to respond in, in, in prayer to God in thanksgiving the old hymn says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I mean, that is the, the, uh, the picture of who our God is. And so we sing to him as a response in prayer. And, and as we do that, it develops that relationship with him. It builds us up. It builds others up. And, and some of you have a song inside your heart. And I want to encourage you to get that song out of your heart and get it on paper, and show and, and, and express that love 
that you have for God, that song of thanksgiving to him. And listen, James may never sing it on stage. Hillsong's not gonna sing it. It's not gonna be at a passion conference. Matter of fact, you may not sing it. But as you write that down, you express those emotions and feelings, God hears that as an act of worship. I encourage you to do that. When you're blessed, when you're happy, pray a song of thanksgiving. And then he says this, is anybody sick? So we've, we've got, are you burdened? Pray. Are you happy? Sing. And then he says, are you sick? He says, let him call the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. So the third thing we see here is that when you're sick, pray for healing. Now the word sick here means any kind of physical ailment. So any physical ailment, James is saying, call the elders to come and pray over you and anoint you with oil. Now what in the world does that mean? Well, first of all, the elders of the church are the overseers of the church. They're, they're the pastors of the church. I'm the lead elder of this church. We have an elder council of five men, and uh, three of them are on staff, and two of them are lay elders. And, and uh, we see the, the qualifications of elders in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and, and uh, we follow that process. We also read in the scripture that if God is calling you to be an elder, one of the, the first things you do is that you tell an elder. You tell us that, hey, I feel like God is calling me to be an elder. And then we have a year-long process to take you through, to vet you, to, 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 to teach you what it looks like to actually be an elder. And so uh, we follow as closely as possible uh, the scripture on what an elder is. And an overseer uh, is a, a leader and, and, and pastor of a local congregation. And so this is another good reason, caveat here, back to you, you can't count, you, Count on Me sermon series. This is why it's important, another reason why it's important to be a member of a local church, to be a partner of a local church. Whatever churches call it, this may not be your church, but go to a church and become a member of that church because when James says, call the elders of the church to come and pray over you if you're sick, if you're not a member of a church, if you're not partnered with FC, then, then you don't have elders. You've gotta be a member of a church to have elders to call. He doesn't just say, hey, go find some elders. No, he says, go and find the elders of your church that you're committed to, that you're partnered with. And so another reason why that is important. And at the same time here, James is making it clear that the church at large should be praying for the person who is sick. But he specifically says, call on the elders, not because they have a special gift of healing or, or miracles or anything like that, but simply because as the spiritual leaders of the church, we want to call them to come and to pray over them. Now, verse 14 says, pray over them. Now, what does that mean? And some people think it just means, you know, standing over people and praying over them. I, I happen to believe that it means that we're actually going to lay a hand on their shoulder or on their head or something like that to, to actually pray over them. And, and that's not because, you know, you know, special powers are coming out of somebody's hands as we just prayed over these families, but that is a sign and symbol of love. It's a sign and symbol of, man, we're with you. It's a sign of comfort and, and, and of encouragement. We see that practice throughout the Bible of, of men laying hands on uh, godly men to, to commission them, to symbolize an important uh, day in their life or symbolize something, you know, really big. And, and so I would, I, would, I would agree that, I hope you would, that, that praying over someone who is sick to be healed is a, a, an important symbol. It's an important uh, prayer uh, in that vein. And so he says, I want you to anoint them with oil. 
Now all the essential oil people in the room are going, yay, let's get some oil out. So this was olive oil. And, you know, olive oil has some medicinal purposes, not a whole lot, you know. And so it's not that this oil was the healing. It, it says that specifically, look at it, underline it, circle it in your Bibles. It's the prayer of faith that does the healing. So the oil isn't healing this person. Um, and, and if it were a medicinal like purpose to heal, uh, you know, if, it, if somebody has a headache, you don't need to call Pastor Trent to come bring the Advil, right? Go ahead and give him the Advil and, 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 you know, deal with it. And so the same thing, if oil was the healing portion of this, then anybody could have administered to, to the sick person to help their healing. And so that's not the purpose. The purpose has to be something else. And what I believe it, it means is that it's a symbol of dedication, of, of, of uh, consecration. So as you, you know, pour oil, and this was, you know, a part of kind of a Jewish culture at special times. They anointed kings, they anointed um, in those settings. And so, you know, any, anytime someone was set apart in a unique, you know, prayer or season, and I would say, you know, sickness falls in that line, obviously, and that's why he says to, to actually, you know, do this. What's really important about this is that the sick person is healed through the prayer of faith. So the anointing itself doesn't convey, convey a healing power of miracles. It is the prayer that is the focus. And so when you know someone who is sick or you are sick and, and you are asking people to pray for you, that is heard by God. And so calling the elders is a special, I, I think, calling. And here James encourages us to do that. Now look at verse 16. Let's continue. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Therefore, he says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If you're taking notes, the fourth response here is you pray when you've sinned and you confess and pray for forgiveness. So you confess and you pray for forgiveness. Now, for many people, when they hear the word confession, they think of a wooden box and, you know, a screen and a priest and, and sharing, you know, and, and, and that's not, I believe, a biblical picture of confession, especially here. Confession is simply expressing remorse from past sins, current sins. Specifically, he is saying here to confess your sins, and he's telling us to confess our sins to one another and pray for healing. Now, listen, there is scientific evidence that when we have a burden because of a sin that we've committed, you know, there is a heavy weight of guilt in your life. And we've all probably experienced that, that weight of guilt within our life. And, and uh, we're, we're not telling anybody and, and, and we're experiencing sin and we're, we're, we're delving into sin and, and uh, we know it's wrong, but we continue to fall prey to that temptation. That is a heavy, heavy burden. If you walk in here today with that burden because there is a sin in your life that you have not confessed, maybe you confess it to God, but you've not confessed it to anyone else. 
The scientific evidence proves that confession is beneficial for your physical body. Several years ago, James Pennybaker, professor of psychology at the University of Texas in Austin, he began a study that scientifically examined the effects of confession um, personal, personally and, and, and emotionally. And he found that confession produced a number of benefits over time, including, and here's his list, improved mood, reduced symptoms of psychological distress, fewer illnesses, and even improved immune functioning. I love it when science catches up to the Bible because the word of God's been teaching us this for a long time. Look at Psalm 32, verses three and four. David had sinned against the Lord. He had committed adultery. He had killed the man uh, that this woman was married to. And he says this, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. This is an example of when you have unconfessed sin in your life and you're holding on to that, it makes your bones waste away. There is groaning. The, the heavy hand of conviction is upon your life. You feel that. And it affects your mood. It affects your immune system. It affects your stress level. It affects your anxiety. It affects every part of you emotionally and physically. And that's why James says here very clearly, look, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? Because there is healing power in Confession. I think a lack of confession is going to bring that burden. I think it's important that we are consistently confessing our sin to one another for that healing. Healing spiritually, but healing, I believe it's also tied to our physical condition, our our physical bodies. This is again why small groups are so important. In your small group, you know, I don't recommend a man confessing sin in front of all the ladies and all the people, and and, uh, that's not quite the right setting, but but we encourage our small groups, you know, to break up into a guys, you know, women and men, and do that at least once a month, if not twice a month, and have small group just with guys and just with ladies. And, and in those moments, in that time where it's just you and, and your small, other small group guys, that is a perfect time to confess sin to God or to confess sin to one another and to pray for one another. And it's a scary thing to think, man, I've got to confess this. I've got to confess this. This is why Jesus says, you know, step into the light. Walk into the light as he is in the light. As long as you keep things in the darkness, it's going to weigh heavy on your bones. It's going to weigh heavy on your heart. It's going to zap your, your strength. It's going to cause you to groan all day long. Step into the light and confess that sin. Expose that sin. Listen, if you don't expose that sin, God will expose you because he loves you. And as long as you're holding on to that, you are wasting away and you are ruining your relationship with God. It's affecting other people. It's affecting your own body. Release that to God. Go to a a, a godly friend. Go to them. Confess that sin in the right setting and the right time and allow for blessing and honor and restoration to begin to take place. In verse 16, he says, the righteous man's prayer is effective. See, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. That's when, 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 when we're talking about stuff here at church, I'm like, I need everybody. I need everybody praying. 
And here are the things we need to pray about. Why? Because I believe prayer is effective. I believe God is only going to answer some, some things if we ask him to. I believe that's how he kind of sets it up. And so we've got to ask. We've got to seek corporately together. We've got to pray together. That's why we do 21 days of prayer. I believe that as we pray in one accord, God is going to answer those prayers. That's why it's a good thing to get people to pray for you specifically as well. Hey, pray about this issue. Pray about that issue. Why? Because the prayers of a righteous man and a righteous woman are effective. And then he gives us the example of Elijah. And he gives us the example of Elijah as an illustration. And you may want to circle this because I think this, this phrase is, is an important part. He says, uh, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That, that phrase is pretty important, I think, like a nature like ours. In other words, he's just like you. He's just like me. If you know the story of Elijah, you know that he struggled with depression. He, you know that he was at his wit's end and he was ready to die. And uh, God brought him back, but, but he was ready to just kind of throw in the towel and, and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I can't do it anymore. He got to that point where his life was just a complete, like he felt and, and, and saw only the, the darkness and, and, and what was around him. And he couldn't see God's plan and vision for his life. And so he was ready to just end it. And so it's like, yeah, read his story. You see what God did through him. And he's just like you. He's just like me. And he says, he prayed. And he prayed it wouldn't rain. And for three years it didn't rain. And then he prayed that it would rain. And then God sent rain. God answered his prayers. God will answer your prayer as well. And I know when we talk about prayer, like, hey, man, I've been praying. Why isn't God answering? And I would encourage you today, and we'll end with this, that, that, that God is answering your prayer today. And he's going to answer your prayer in one of three ways. He's going to say yes, he's going to say no, or he's going to say later. And the journey for you and I as we pray for these things is to trust in God's timing. To trust in God's timing. As a dad, I reserve the right to respond to my kids in different ways. And um, when I, you know, me or my wife are allowing our kids to do this or to do that, Oftentimes, we hear the phrase, that's not fair. Many of you have heard your kids say, that's not fair? It's a terrible excuse because I just say, you're right, it's not fair. Uh, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. And when Adam sinned, fairness ended. And so my job as a parent is not to, you know, figure out what's fair. My job and your job as a parent is to do the wise thing. And so... Um, for, I'll give you an example. My, my kids, when they were a little bit younger, it's been a while, but it was bedtime. And you know how when it's bedtime and you've got toddlers, um, everybody needs something. God, talk to you. I need to, let's pray. Let's, I need a glass of water. You know how that routine goes, because anything to keep me out of bed. And so uh, one of my kids came down and said, Dad, can I have some Cheerios? You know, it's 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, whatever, get some Cheerios, go for it. And other kid comes down and says, can I get some sweet tea? No, can't have sweet tea, no caffeine, no sugar, you know, get some water. Other one comes down, we'd been playing Nerf basketball, you know, that night. Hey, can we play one more game of Nerf ball? No, can't play tonight, we'll do it tomorrow. Three different kids, three different requests, and three different ways for me to answer that request, right? The same is true with your relationship with God. He is answering you. You have to have the wisdom and the faith to trust in his response. Let me sum it up with this quote from Timothy Keller. Tim Keller wrote a book called Prayer, and if you want to dive more into a prayer life, 
the dude is awesome and that's a great book. And he says this in the book. He says, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. Some of you came here today to kind of wrestle with that one statement. Because for you, the burden is I've been asking, it's not been happening. Perhaps it's the unconfessed sin in your life that God wants you to deal with before he answers in a certain way. Perhaps God is saying no, because if we knew what God knew, then we wouldn't be asking in that way. We'd be, we'd be doing what God is doing anyway. Maybe God is saying the timing is not right, and so he's saying later. So the calling for us is to carry that burden well. It's to carry it well. It's to know that God is refining me and he's growing me. Read the first chapter of the book of James and He teaches us no matter what circumstance we are facing to consider it pure joy because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. It sharpens us. We've got to trust that, that no matter what we're facing today, that God is using it for our good. And so today I want to encourage you, if you're carrying a burden, to lay that burden down, to lay it before the cross of Jesus Christ trusting that he is your friend and he will help you carry that. You're not gonna solve every problem today. You're not gonna have everything answered as you leave today. But if you lay that burden down before him and you consistently lay that down, you confess that sin before him, you confess that sin to godly friends, then healing begins to happen. You begin to see clearly that God, maybe he's already answering. We trust in his timing. We trust in his sovereign grace and his sovereign plan to do everything that he desires to do and that we need him to do. Maybe you've never experienced faith in Jesus Christ. You've never experienced forgiveness because you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I pray that today you would do that. And I would encourage you before you head out today, when you walk out these back doors, there's a room that we call the the care and prayer room. We've got volunteers in there that would love to help you make that decision and pray with you with whatever decision is on your heart today, with whatever burden you need to lay down, whatever sin that God says, you know what, I need you to confess that today before you leave even. And you spend some time with those trained counselors that are incredible volunteers that will love you, encourage you, and pray with you. I've asked the band to close in a song. It's a new Matt Redman song. It's on his new album. And It talks about how when the weight of the world is on our shoulders and sometimes our problems and our burdens make us think and and, and it, it kind of feels like the weight of the world is on our shoulders. But he says in the song, this too shall pass, but until it does, you God, take the weight of the world off my shoulders. Today, some of you in the room need God to do that. It's a journey of confession, and it's a journey of prayer. And I believe God will answer that in his time. And let's begin it today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now. And I recognize, God, that there are needs and concerns all over this room, heavy burdens. The weight of the world is upon 
some shoulders. At least they feel like it is. And I pray that in this moment, God, we would release that burden to you. And even now, God, as we hear this song, you would begin to do that in our hearts. Father, minister to us. Speak to us. And the quietness of this room right now, as, as our heads are bowed, what is it that you need to give to God right now? And just tell him, God, I, I'm giving you control of this. I'm laying this burden down. The weight of the world is not on my shoulders. The weight of the world is upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And he promises me that if I bring my burden to him, he's going to yoke together with me and he's going to show me how to, how to faithfully walk this journey. He's going he's to help me carry that so that I'm, I'm realizing I'm not doing it on my own. He's bringing people into my life to minister to me. He's given me a place to worship him. God, we just want to bless you today. And we ask for that blessing. We receive that blessing as we confess sin to you in this moment. And we release our burdens to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.